Our scripture reading today comes from two places, Galatians 5, which is our sermon series on fruit of the Spirit, and then from Jesus in uh, the book of Matthew. First from Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And then from Jesus in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Will you pray with me now? Lord God, would you take your words of peace and would you make them come alive now in this message? Lord God, would you have us consider what it means to make peace with you? Uh, And may we experience your peace and how we live out relationships with other followers. And God, lastly, would we um, have a spirit where this fruit of peace is growing in us that we would experience what it means to be peacemakers made in your image. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this time. In your name we pray, amen. Well, our uh, Fruit of the Spirit this week, this is week five of our Fruit of the Spirit series. We're on peace. And uh, just week by week, we are kind of, you know, going through these different fruits of the Spirit. Today, I'll be talking about peace. And our title of the message is called Peace is the Promise. Peace is the promise. We've worked through kind of an introductory message. We talked about love and two weeks on joy, and then brings us to this week, peace. What a concept. I was researching this week, and there's a publication called The Personal Journal um, that reported this incredible statistic that I had never heard before about peace. Since the beginning of recorded history, the entire world has been at peace less than 8% of the time less than 8% of recorded human history. And in its study, the periodical discovered that of the 3,530 years of recorded history, only 286 years saw peace. Moreover, in excess of 8,000 different peace treaties were made during that time. Most of them were broken. So we're now living in a time kind of internationally in a time of relative peace in the context of international threats, different than for some of us growing up as children of the 80s and the threat of the Cold War and this, you know, kind of this big threat across the world, like internationally more peace than we've experienced in certain seasons. But domestically, peace has largely been absent in the last year. When we think of the coronavirus and racial unrest and dealing with white supremacy and this notion that, you know, maybe internationally we're experiencing peace, domestically not so much, and then personally, like ask your friends, ask your neighbors, ask yourself, are you at peace? Uh, the last year, the Journal of American Psychological Association said this, that we're facing a national mental health crisis that could ye- yield serious health and social consequences for years to come. There is little peace. The journal continues the potential long-term consequences of this persistent stress and trauma will be most aptly felt by our youngest generation, Generation Z. And Generation Z, ages 13 to 17, are, are facing unprecedented uncertainty and as thus experiencing elevated stress and symptoms of depression. About two in three adults now say they have experienced increased stress little peace over the course of the last year, two out of every three Americans. And so when we consider that, when we say that, hey, the the issues that we're facing kind of internationally or locally or personally can feel overwhelming, then, then we come to the scriptures talking about peace and it feels like an abstract concept. What does Jesus say 
when he's asking us to be peacemakers? How might we experience the very peace of God? Peace, shalom in the Old Testament or a reine in the Greek New Testament is mentioned between 450 and 500 times in the scriptures. It's a, it's a key element. Peace is a promise. It's a promise. But we're going to look at kind of three specific promises uh, to us as followers of God. Uh, first, this, that we are meant to live at peace with God, that that's where we're going to be starting. And then secondly, we're called to experience the peace of God with one another. And finally, we're meant to experience peace in our internal spaces, in our souls. So peace with God, peace of God with others, and then peace in ourselves. So let's start this first part, peace with God, that the peace in the scriptures is at the beginning point concerned with setting us right with God himself. Consider Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace, Irene. We have peace with God through how? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Irene, the very peace of God, peace with God through Christ. Or as Jesus said of himself in John 14, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not like the world gives. No, no, I, I, I give it to you myself. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So Jesus is kind of declaring from the get-go from his followers. He says, this thing you'll enter into in our world is not going to feel like peace most of the time, but in me, you will have peace if you're in Christ, that my peace that I want to establish with you in a reigning, which we translate in the New Testament is peace, can also mean unity. It means to bring different parts together to form a whole, to set at one again. So Jesus has this word for people that want to follow him that he says, when you're with me, I long to establish peace in you and through you. That Jesus is the the shalom bringer. He is the one that is the very peace of God. Native American scholar Randy Woodley had this beautiful book that we kind of touched upon when we did our Shalom series last year. Uh, His book is called Shalom and the Community of Creation. But Randy Woodley writes this about Jesus. He says, Jesus, the shalom, Jesus Christ brings the shalom kingdom as God's final answer to a broken and fragmented world. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus, you know, brought uh, repairing to broken systems. He brought healing to, to, to systems of domination, tearing down creation, tearing down people of color. Jesus, you know, sought to restore the image of God in humans. And so anywhere where shalom is being distorted, where peace is distorted, God wants to restore. God wants to break down systems that tear down peace in order to restore through himself real peace. See, God won't make peace with places of sin or hatred or evil. That is not peace. If you're like me, conflict averse, peace means conflict. Boom. I'm out of here often. Like I'll be a peacemaker. Like being of peace with God means at times we will upset the apple cart because God longs to bring his peace to broken places and anything suffering under the effects of sin, of domination, of hatred, of racism, of sexism, of any distortion, Jesus is like, I'm not in that. I will not make a false peace with places where humanity is being distorted. That's not what peace is. No, Jesus says, my peace will at times tear things down in order to bring them to fulfillment 
through me, says Jesus. Only with me will peace be available. And so anything that's tearing down the image of God and people, Jesus is like, that's not peace. No, I, I came that they would have life and have it abundantly, that they would experience peace. And so at times, for those of us as followers of God, it's not just be quiet and, and ignore broken things. No, it's turning to God and submitting ourselves and to be setting, setting uh, being set right with God in confession, in, 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 in repentance. And saying, God, we, we've missed something here. Can, can you give us your peace again? Like that's what it means to have peace with God because peace changes us. It, it reorders us. It makes us new. Without Christ, there is no peace. We must be set right. We cannot do this work in and of ourselves. We do not have it in us. And so we'll need the peace of God to establish peace with God. Real peace is powerful and it's costly because we'll abandon our own agendas to God. But when we're set right on our most foundational levels and this new fruitfulness emerges, it's, it's peace, it's, it's good news. And, and it overlaps, like last week talking about joy, talking about love, like this is where the fruits start to kind of grow in on themselves. But the peace of God becomes the good news of the gospel message of Jesus Christ for creation for different ethnic groups, for, for the immigrant, for the hungry, for the broken, for the marginalized, peace brings them together with, with God. We must be set right. And there's no agenda or certainly political platform outside of God that can do that work. No, it's when the world is ultimately set right with God, that peace will be available. See, we can have our agendas uh, but ultimately, it's only peace with God that will allow us to experience that true and lasting peace. I was a high school English teacher in Los Angeles in the early 2000s. Heather and I moved down there. I was working in the film industry. I became a high school English teacher. It's a long story. And the school that I taught at, Glendale High School, had an incredible amount of violence, no peace. And the different student ethnic groups often hated each other. And there was some gang warfare. There was a shooting the year after I was there on campus. There was a stabbing. And so I was an English teacher. And so we wanted to insert curriculum to teach different groups in the school how to get along. We read that book, A Separate Piece, written in the 1950s, kind of a coming of age story, kind of based on World War II. And some of you have read the book. But it was interesting to me that no book that I could give students could teach them how to establish peace. It was only going to be through the reconciliation of students with God. And so my, my years as a teacher, I felt like kind of an evangelist because I was speaking God's good name oftentimes in kind of subtle ways. God, peace can only come as we're established with Christ. That's what we hope for in this city that we would have peace, you know, that that would be a peace that would, you know, kind of transcend people stuck in homelessness, people stuck in addiction, you know, kind of the ethnic divides, the, the racial divides, the, the class divides, only going to happen through Christ. We must experience peace with God. And secondly, we must be moved into this peace with others. And this is really interesting. It came through my study this week. That's peace with God, talked about often in the scriptures, and the peace of God 
And oftentimes, this is kind of the meat of the fruit of the Spirit on peace, um, where Romans 12 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Like you're meant to experience the peace of God with other believers, Romans 14. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Those, that portion of Romans, Romans 12, 13, and 14 is a message to the church. You must experience peace with each other because you're killing each other. Even in, even in the issues that you, you think are so key amongst you, Paul's writing to the Romans. He might as well be writing to the church in Seattle today. No, you must experience the peace of God with other believers. Second Corinthians 13. Finally, brothers, sisters, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. The scriptures are just littered with these messages like learn to love each other. Hebrews 12, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See, this is the most difficult for us because we've made these assumptions that we'll have peace with God and then we'll all agree with each other on every issue we face. But the scriptures don't say that. The scriptures say we can disagree and still have peace. Because as we're changed into the image of God, we start to see the fruit of God coming up in other people. And we start to see, ah, this is the diversity that is the body of Christ. This is the, this is the, the multiple attitudes and perspectives. As long as they're all worshiping Jesus, there's a commonality, peace of God we can experience with other people. Romans 14 says it's so key. Make every effort to remain at peace with brothers and sisters you disagree with. Every effort. Do you know what the Greek translation of every effort is? Every effort. It means you are meant as a follower of Christ. If you follow Jesus, you're meant to experience the peace of God, not just with God in, in reconciled relationship, the peace of God with other followers of God. This is so key for us right now. Because if that's true, that healthy relationships define us as a church, it means that, that, that our relationships aren't just a passing concern to Christ, that it's a primary care, how we connect to other believers as the body of Christ. It's incredible because if we can't experience peace of God with each other, it makes us suspect to a non-believing world. The people that are driving past our churches every day, if we can't get along, they're wondering if these Christians don't even know how to love each other, how in the world are they gonna love the world? Like you're sending missionaries across the, across the world, but you don't even know how to be the presence of Christ in your own faith community. No, this peace of God, we must experience unto each other. We're called to it. And this might be our primary challenge as a church in the season ahead as we kind of come back to church, come back to being around other people is, hey, you might've voted different than me, but if you follow Jesus, we got to learn to love each other. Hey, you might view that issue differently than me, but if we're of Christ, then we're, we're a family, we have to learn how to reconnect. How do I know that? Because Jesus' leadership development circle, he had a zealot who hated tax collectors and he had a tax collector as his primary leaders. He had fishermen and he had city folk. He had people who experienced doubt and people who had 
brazen self-confidence. See, Jesus had this range and diversity in his leadership circle because he was looking for unity, not uniformity. That's incredible. And I've said that to you before, but we have to actually live with that church, that we will not experience on this side of heaven uniformity on every issue. No, that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 13 and 14. But we can have unity when we experience the peace of God with one another. We're filming this message today from our Green Lake location. And here at our Green Lake location, we have this sign that hangs above the door, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. And I had this very tragic and sad conversation with a former congregant this year, somebody who had spent decades in our church, someone who had walked under that sign probably hundreds of times, that they had made a home in our church until this year when they received a negative comment from somebody of a different political persuasion and they're like, we're out. And they left and it breaks our heart because that's not what God has for us. Galatians 5, right before this fruit of the spirit, you know what Paul said? He says, verse 5, uh, 15 of Galatians, if you bite and devour each other, watch out, you'll be destroyed by each other. The church has to stop destroying each other. The peace of Christ is meant to be a balm for our differences because we will never all be the same, but look how beautiful and diverse Christ has made us. We must learn to see the peace of God as a place to grow our faith. And and how do I know that? Because in places of the world where the church is growing the fastest, they're not places of civic peace, The places where the spirit of God is moving people and doing incredible things. Consider Iran. The the most recent data I could find was 2019. 2019, they're saying the church in Iran is the fastest growing church in the world. And in Iran, there are no church buildings. In Iran, there are no church staff. In Iran, that many of the house churches are actually led by women of faith, which is countercultural to many in that area of the world. And the, the, the gospel's exploding because people, though there's not uniformity, there's a unity about what God is doing. There's, there's pockets, friends, where the church is just growing like crazy around the world and they're experiencing this peace of God. And so there's peace with God. There's the peace of God that's meant to be kind of a balm to kind of create a family of faith that feels so distant for us right now. And then finally, there's meant to be peace in ourselves. Or as Jesus said in our scripture reading, blessed are the peacemakers for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're called not just to create peace out there across the world or over there across the street. We are asked by our Lord and Savior Jesus to make peace in ourselves. All right, we're gonna get a little personal here, church. This is difficult for us. It's much easier to talk about. Did you know depression's on the rise in Americans? Like, oh, that's fascinating, Scott. No, no, we're meant to be peacemakers in ourselves that will often struggle with anxiety and despair and discouragement as we look into the world around us. Blessed are the peacemakers. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I certainly don't mean to exclude peacemaking being external from ourselves, but I meant to include peacemaking being 
good news in our internal spaces. So you can't read very far in the scriptures without a teaching that if you follow God and have made peace with him and experience his peace, you know, of Christ with other people, that there's a fruit of peace that is meant to grow in us. And peace isn't just a platform for politics or a message from a 60s song. It's a promise for those in faith in Christ. It's a promise of what we'll experience. And for most of us, there was an absence over the last year for what we've endured. And so this promise that joy and hope and peace would be given to you, that it would rise in you, may feel distant. But hear the good news of the scriptures. You're meant to experience peace in yourself. The promise of peace for those that follow the, the ways of Jesus. Isaiah 26 says, you keep those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because they trust in you. Proverbs 12 says, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace experience joy. Or how about this one that was an anchor verse for me in the last season, so much so we memorized as a family. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus. Peace that passes and surpasses all understanding. Like that's incredible. Or as Jesus said in John 16, I've said these things to you so that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you'll have troubles, but take heart. I've overcome the world. It's really, really, really challenging because we can't podcast this or Instagram click it. We're gonna have to do the work, like you're, you're gonna have to do that. I'm gonna have to do that to experience real peace in our soul through the presence of Christ. It, we're gonna have to do the work. We'll have to create space. We'll have to seek the peace of God. I can't do it for you. I can only be a guide and encourager, but I'm doing this work myself. Like I am meant as your leader to experience the arene, the very peace through the presence of the spirit. And I long for it for you too. Richard Foster, in his seminal book on the spiritual habits of spiritual disciplines, book called Streams of Living Water, he says this, he says, we are, each and every one of us, a tangled mass of motives, of hope and fear, of faith and doubt, of simplicity and duplicity, of honesty and falsity and openness. He may have also added peace and conflict, but he continues, God knows our heart better than we ever can. He's the only one who can separate the true from the false. He alone can purify the motives of our heart, but he does not come uninvited. If chambers of our heart have never experienced the healing touch, perhaps it is because we've not welcomed that divine scrutiny. And then he writes this, and church, I really want you to tune into this piece. Like I want you to lean in here. He continues, he says, the most important work, the real lasting work is accomplished in the depths of our heart. This work is solitary and interior. It cannot be seen by anyone, even ourselves. It's a work known only to God. It's a work of heart purity, of soul conversion, the transfiguration of our internal spaces. Though we cannot see the work itself, we can detect its effect. We'll we'll feel the peace, he's saying. We experience a new firmness of life orientation. We experience a settled peace that we do not fully understand and cannot fully explain through Christ, that we're meant to have this peace with God. We're meant to experience this peace 
of God, that that we would actually lean into this peace in ourselves. And that's what Jesus said after the resurrection. Three times in the Gospel of John, after his resurrection, he comes to his best friends. And what does he say? He says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Like he knows. He's like, I get it. Things are so difficult right now, but I'm here and I'm going to leave the helper to be with you always when I ascend to heaven. So I'm going to say these words. He says them three times in John 19, 20. Peace be with you. So in the same way, church, may you hear the words of your Jesus, your Christ, as you seek to to be reconciled with him and with others and in your soul. His peace is a promise for the people of God. Peace be with you. We're going to close with a song that Michelle's going to lead here based on roughly, it's called the Peace Prayer of St. Francis. Most scholars will say now that St. Francis likely didn't write it, but it's a beautiful peace prayer. We're going to sing it here in just a moment. I'm going to read this over you and we're going to pray. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's hatred, let me sow love. Where there's injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is giving that we receive, And it is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Would you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you so much for your good work of your life and your death and your resurrection, that that beautiful and abundant peace that you created for us and invited us freely into. And so Jesus, we pray for anyone listening to this message right now that is outside of a relationship with you to to give themselves fully to you, God, to to enter into peace with you, that everything under heaven will will fail to bring peace. It's it's, it's nothing but but a relationship with you. So God, we say yes to that. We recommit. If there are people listening in that want to commit for the first time, Lord, do a work in their lives so they would be wide open. And and secondly, God, would you just make us a faith community that experiences the peace of you with others, that we would learn to see the divine image in each other, that we would learn to love each other. And finally, Jesus, may we experience your peace in our innermost places. May we experience the depth of your love and cultivate habits where, where the inbreaking of your peace is our new reality shaped by your presence. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this time. We receive these words and, and, and say yes to the challenge of living into them together. In your name we pray, amen.